So I do recommend my patients invest in functional medicine, that they invest in the lifestyle and dietary changes. Welcome to the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Gray. My number one goal with the show is to help you discover your personalized plan to build your dream health and live a longer, happier, truly healthier life. Today, you get to hear from me. I really wanted to do an episode covering functional medicine tests your doctors may not know about. Now, this may sound like it'll be an overwhelming episode, but I don't think it will be. I'm going to divide this into two parts. I think this will be exciting, and I hope that you as a listener will resonate with at least one test that I mention and consider having it run on yourself to help you find answers you need to rebuild your health. This is part one of a two-part series. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. Today, I don't have a guest. I'm just going to talk. I've never done this before, but I am just going to kind of wing this episode. There's just so much content that I love to share regarding tests that you may not know about because your doctor may not know about. So I am going to kind of, again, wing this. I'm going to go through my book here, and I am going to share with you some functional medicine tests that we offer at my clinic. So we pride ourselves at the Integrative Health and Hormone Clinic at kind of being the detective, really looking for answers that don't come in a bottle. And when I say bottle, I'm referencing like medications, not supplements, because we do recommend supplements from a bottle. I know that tests can really help us as the detective determine where problems lie. And so today, I want to, again, pace myself through my book, Your Longevity Blueprint, and introduce you to tests you may never have heard of. So in functional medicine, we try to get to the root cause of the problem, right? We want to identify the dysfunction in the body and fix it rather than just treat the symptom like with a Band-Aid approach, right? If you have reflux, take an antacid. Or if you have a headache, take a medication for that. No, no, no. We want to get to the root cause of the problem. And we pride ourselves on testing, not guessing. Now, if you followed me for a while, you'll know that our approach to many symptoms is the same. So a lot of these tests that I'm going to recommend today apply to lots of different symptomatology, right? These tests can help get to the root cause of uh, many of your problems. But in general with functional medicine, we're recommending you clean up your air, your water, your food, your personal care products. You work to detox the body. You work to reduce inflammation and reduce stress, right? There are some just underlying concepts that we recommend with functional medicine. And those will be somewhat highlighted through the tests that I'm going to recommend today. But I want to, again, highlight some of these specific fancy tests that we utilize in my practice that I did not learn through my conventional training. And that's why I pursued the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine's fellowship. I finished that nearly a decade ago. I also finished a master's in metabolic nutritional medicine, I think in 2013. And I know I'm young, but I feel pretty honored. I, I feel, I, I pride myself on that education because I feel like I have a decade of functional medicine experience on many doctors who've been in their practice for decades. They may be at the end of their career just now figuring out they want to pursue some functional medicine. And I've really been in this for a decade. And that's why I also wrote my book. I wanted to spread this message to the masses, right? So in 2017, I wrote my book, Your Longevity Blueprint, to introduce readers to these concepts that I had learned. You know, I can, through a book, spread my message a lot more quickly than, <laughs> or even through a podcast, I can spread this message more quickly than through seeing clients one-on-one. -on -one. So today, again, I'm going to go back to my book and I'll maybe start with a little bit of the, the introduction. I want to go over again, if you followed me for a while, you've heard this before, but <laughs> I want to go over it again, 
the differences between functional and conventional medicine. So one analogy that I use is the fireman versus the carpenter approach. So think of conventional medicine as being the fire department. Okay, the fire department has two tools, an axe and a hose, which are great for emergencies. But the fire department and the firemen don't usually teach patients how to prevent fires, right? When you're discharged from a hospital after having a heart attack, you're not always taught how to prevent future heart attacks. You may be told to go on a low-fat diet and exercise, but you're not really ever taught why you had the heart attack, and you're never really taught how to prevent future heart attacks. With functional medicine, uh, there are some advanced testing options that we're going to talk about later on the show today that can help us identify what we need to do to help prevent future heart attacks or future fires, right? Now, if you have a heart attack, you need the fire department. If you get hit by a car, you need the fire department. And that's that's something that our country has. We just have an amazing emergency department. We have amazing emergency medicine, right? We have amazing conventional medicine for acute care, but we don't do a great job with managing chronic illnesses. And that's where I think functional medicine shines, so functional medicine is more like a carpenter, right? What we try to do is help repair and rebuild the body. Now, we can't do that in a day. So when patients come to me and they've had decades of abuse on their body and they have multiple chronic diseases, we can't rebuild the body in a day. It's going to take a while. It's going to take a commitment with lifestyle changes and exercise and supplements, right? But that's what functional medicine aims to do. We, at, we look at why the illness occurred. We try to discover the imbalance or dysfunction in the body and fix it. And all I was taught through my traditional training was the fire department approach. And so again, I think we need to be looking at the functional medicine or the carpenter approach more often, and especially for chronic conditions. You've probably heard my story if you've listened to me that I've had multiple kind of health crises. I would say I was born in a very healthy family. I was raised going to the chiropractor. We always had home-cooked meals. We always, you know, were engaged in physical activity. I almost actually went to chiropractic school. Um, but I decided to become a nurse because I knew I could get prescriptive privileges becoming a nurse practitioner. And I could work to take patients off drugs, which I really couldn't do as a chiropractor. So that's why I went this route. But I learned through my training how devastating incontinence was. And I learned that there were non-surgical, non-pharmacological options for incontinence that could help patients remain in their homes and keep their dignity, right? And I thought, well, if there are non-surgical, non-pharmacological options for incontinence, well, there better be for other <laughs> conditions that no one's told me about. And so I heard about the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine, and that was that. Was that. I mean, really, I... I couldn't stop just absorbing all the information that was presented to me because I was finally finding there really is a root cause. There really are non-surgical, non-pharmacological options for lots of conditions. And then I was able to use that knowledge when I myself was experiencing some health crises. So I suffered with really fast heart rate and infertility. So I had what was called tachycardia not just like a few palpitations. I had very fast heart rate <laughs> causing lots of shortness of breath and dizziness and whatnot. I ended up at Mayo Clinic and they offered me medication to control my heart rate, but I knew that was not going to tell me why this was happening to me, that that would just be a Band-Aid approach. I knew that I needed to apply a lot of the concepts that I had been learning and using with my patients to myself. And some of those concepts I want to talk about today as we get into tests that your doctor doesn't know about, one of which is food sensitivity testing, and we're going to get to that. But I also suffered with infertility. I want to write more about that story in my second book. But for now, I'll just, I'll give you the short end of it, which was that I was so stressed out, which was contributing to my heart rate, <laughs> building my business, you know, going to school full time, grad school three times, right? 
while working full time. And I essentially was depleting my progesterone, which was not helping from a fertility standpoint, right? You need progesterone to get pregnant and to stay pregnant. And so my lifestyle wasn't conducive to the fertility that I was trying to achieve at that point. And so I got to apply some hormone concepts to myself, right? That I needed progesterone. And we'll talk about some of those testing options when we get to the tests that I allude to in chapter six in a moment. But I am just super excited to be able to share with you through the book, through the podcast, and to my clients that I do see one-on-one, there exists more than this Band-Aid approach to healthcare. I think a lot of people intuitively know that it's out there. They just don't really know where to look. And so I hope today, if this is the first time you're hearing from me, that I can really introduce you to functional medicine. So before we get to these tests I keep talking about, I have to mention the house blueprint concept that I talk about in my book. So through my book, I'm comparing your home and how it's built to your body, right? We know how to maintain our houses, keep hair out of the drains, mow the lawn, change the furnace filters, but we don't always know how to maintain our bodies. And so what I'm doing through the book is I'm kind of comparing the home to an organ system in your body. Each chapter, I'm comparing a different aspect of the home to a different organ system in the body. And so I guess the moral of the story is that your house is kind of like your home. You want to maintain your home so it'll last a long time. Same is true with your body, right? So within each chapter, I'm sharing the most progressive available functional medicine testing options and discussing high quality supplements. And that's what I want to dive into today. So I tell patients, just as your human fingerprints are a detailed, unique marker of human identity, so are your test results. And these test results, again, help determine the root cause. They help your contractor, your detective, right, your functional medicine provider personalize a plan to build your health. So let's get into testing here. So chapter one of my book is where I'm comparing the foundation of your home to the gastrointestinal system in the body. So with functional medicine, we believe the root cause of a lot of inflammation starts in the gut. And if we can reduce that inflammation in the gut, we can reduce inflammation throughout the whole body. Well, how do you figure out if you have inflammation in your gut? There are some tests that we can run. So the main two things I talk about in chapter one of my book are identifying through these fancy tests, right? Food sensitivities and gut infections. So the tests that I like to run with my patients are food sensitivity testing. This is different than food allergy testing. With food allergy testing, you're looking to see if eating an apple or a walnut, right, is causing anaphylaxis, like itchy eyes, itchy throat, you know, starting to develop a rash, right, having allergy symptoms. And most of my patients know if they have full-blown allergies. So unbeknownst to them, they may not have an allergy, but they may have a, a lesser reaction of food sensitivity to foods like gluten, dairy, soy, corn, yeast, eggs, coffee, fruits, nuts, seeds, spices, I mean, really to anything, that could be the root cause of their headaches, or in my case, endometriosis, right? Or the root cause of the eczema, or the brain fog, or the fatigue. So we run food sensitivity testing on our patients to see how they need to change their diet, what foods they need to get out of the diet. Sometimes they're eating something healthy, like spinach and almonds, or even eggs, right? But these foods are not good for them, and thus they need to be eliminated at least short term. So running food sensitivity testing can be very helpful. You also don't have to do testing. You could try an elimination diet, just taking out top inflammatory foods and monitoring how you feel as you slowly reintroduce them. You may find that dairy causes bloating, but eggs cause a headache and gluten causes swelling, right? You can identify that if you uh, journal (laughs) and log what you're eating and what your reactions are. Some of my patients think that's too much work. They just, they can't do that. So they'd rather just test. So food sensitivity testing is a staple in functional medicine. And that's a test that many doctors don't know about. 
your doctor may run a celiac panel on you if you're lucky. Now, celiac disease uh, is full-blown an autoimmune disease where you can never have gluten again. But many patients have gluten sensitivity, but not full-blown celiac. And that's where I was. I'll digress to my story for a minute here. So when I was having very fast heart rate, I noticed a lot of times it was after meals. And I thought, well, why is that, right? We know histamine, high histamine-rich meals could, could drive up that heart rate. Even sometimes just having sugar or caffeine can increase heart rate. But interestingly, when I was having meals that had gluten, I would have very fast heart rate after those meals. I didn't put that together until I tested myself <laughs> for food sensitivities and for celiac, both of which were positive. Now, I did have the biopsy. I went and saw GI and I had a biopsy and the biopsy was negative, thankfully, which means damage to my microvilli, right, lining my gut, had not yet happened, but I was clearly on the way and I was having symptoms. So I needed to get the gluten out or I was going to end up with celiac disease. So conventional medical doctors, well, I should say some of them, will explore celiac disease, but it's not top of their list, right? If you go to your doctor and you have headaches, I guarantee they're going to give you a medication for that headache before they're going to test you for celiac disease. It's just not top of the list yet. Although that's a tool, I think with functional medicine, there are other tests, right, that your conventional doc may not know about, like food sensitivity tests that could reveal what is a problem for you. I also mentioned gut infections. I have a lot of patients who have yeast overgrowth. They have taken antibiotics for acne, for UTIs, for vaginitis, for various issues through their life, which has really wiped out their microbiome, their good bacteria, and now opportunistic yeast overgrowth, which can cause a thick coating on the tongue. That's something that I assess with every single one of my new patients is their tongue. I want to see if they look yeasty, right? <laughs> if the tongue looks furry and coated, that's not from the coffee they're drinking. They like to blame it on that sometimes. Uh, coffee doesn't just turn your tongue yellow. It turns the plaque on your tongue <laughs> yellow or brown. We got to get rid of that plaque. That's telling me there's an imbalance of good and bad bacteria in the gut showing up on the tongue. So patients may have yeast overgrowth, which could be causing brain fog and fatigue and inability to lose weight and rashes, whatnot, and itching can cause all kinds of symptoms. Patients may also have H. pylori. They could have intestinal parasites. They could have SIBO, which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, which is also something that I had. I was so full of gas, not like lower GI, but upper GI. And I just, I've never been a belcher. I just couldn't burp. It's just never been a thing <laughs> for me. Would I, but I needed to burp to get rid of that air. And when I couldn't, it was pressing on my heart, causing palpitations. And so even SIBO can manifest as various symptoms, not just with GI symptoms like gassiness and bloating, but it can cause fatigue. It can cause palpitations. It can cause you to feel revved up in sympathetic overdrive. So if you're having gastrointestinal symptoms, food sensitivity testing, a comprehensive stool test looking for gut infections, and even doing a SIBO test could be helpful. Running fructose intolerance testing can be helpful. I also had that, unfortunately. <laughs> so natural sugars, I did not do very well with. Apples and even honey just set me off. I felt like I couldn't breathe. I felt like I was suffocating and I'd get fast heart rate. So I would encourage you consider those tests. I, I do want to differentiate how functional medicine stool testing can differ from conventional stool testing. So a lot of patients with chronic GI symptoms like diarrhea may have a stool test run looking for parasites, which is great. I'm glad that, that conventional medicine can offer that. 
The stool tests I've seen come back from conventional doctors do not include things like looking at the microbiome, looking to see, you know, and mapping your good bacteria. I want to see if my patients have enough good bacteria, if they're really low or if they're really high. If they're really high, they may have SIBO, that small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. So I want to look at good bacteria. On a functional medicine stool test, what differentiates it also is that we can assess digestion with patients. So we can look to see if they need digestive enzymes, if they need fat, or if they, I'm sorry, if they need ox bile to help digest fat, if they need hydrochloric acid to help digest protein. As you age, your stomach acid levels decline, and so some patients just can't digest their food. They get super tired after meals, or they get very bloated. They actually need hydrochloric acid. So patients who have reflux don't all need that acid quenched with medication. Sometimes they need acid or enzymes or bile to help them digest their food so the food can move through them and not regurgitate, come back up and cause heartburn or reflux, right? So a stool test can help us identify which strategic supplements, enzymes, bile, hydrochloric acid, probiotics we need to use in those patients. It can look at inflammation in the gut. It can look, um, again, at your good bacteria, and then it looks for infections. So I love running stool tests on my patients. These tests are not just for patients with gastrointestinal concerns, although that may be one of the first tests we opt for in these patients. If you have food sensitivities, inflammation in your gut and what we call leaky gut, where proteins you're eating are leaking through your, your thin gut membrane, getting into the bloodstream, mounting an immunologic response, and you're creating antibodies to those foods which we're finding in the blood, that can lead to autoimmune disease. It can lead to a variety of symptoms. So I mentioned before endometriosis. I think dairy and gluten hugely can trigger inflammation um, in the uterus and around the uterus, right, which is a problem that I had. It can lead to a lot of headaches, as I mentioned. I just want to flip through on page 24 of my book. I have a whole graph of food sensitivity symptoms. So these symptoms can manifest in any organ system. So the circulatory system, right, like with me getting tachycardia, we know obviously the gastrointestinal system can even manifest in the musculoskeletal system as aches and pains, can manifest in the joints, right? <laughs> Swollen, achy joints can manifest on the skin, like I mentioned, as eczema, hives, itching, psoriasis, acne, bruising, can manifest in the respiratory system as asthma, bronchitis, coughing, shortness of breath. A dairy many times causes a lot of respiratory symptoms and can manifest with neurologic issues. So um, depression, fainting, fatigue, I mentioned headaches, lethargy, nervousness, neuralgias. I mean, the list goes on and on. I won't, I won't read all of them. But even some other weird symptoms like low blood sugar, swelling, fevers, hoarseness, bedwetting, menstrual cramping, earaches, right? A lot of symptoms can be tied back to foods that you're eating. And so when you go to your conventional doctor, they might not even be thinking about if foods you're eating are contributing. They probably aren't even asking what you're eating. A lot of gastrointestinal docs don't even ask what you're eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's something that I do with my patients. I ask every patient, what are you eating? Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Because I want to know, I want to hear from them uh, what they're eating to see if they really need to be making some changes. So I know I'm talking fast here, but um, and I'm literally winging this. I have nothing planned. I'm just <laughs> looking at my book and talking. Uh, but I hope you now know that there are some additional tests that can be run that your doctor may not know about in regards to, uh, I'll say chapter one, and building a healthy foundation, restoring gut health, right? Food sensitivity testing and stool testing, just to name a few. I get asked all the time, what's one product that I just can't live without when it comes to maintaining my own health and longevity? 
and my answer is something you've actually heard me mention on several episodes. It's called mitochondrial complex, and it's pretty much the Cadillac of multivitamins, and it's packed with antioxidants, including three key players, acetyl-L-carnitine, alpha-lipoic acid, and N-acetylcysteine. Think of a steam engine that requires coal to be continually shoveled into the furnace to power the train forward. Acetyl-L-carnitine does that for your body by shoveling short-chain fatty acids into your cells to provide your body with energy. This is an absolutely essential task to keeping you running. However, what's a byproduct of fire? You guessed it, smoke. Unfortunately, in this analogy, smoke from fire equals free radicals. To combat those free radicals, other antioxidants are needed, and that's where alpha-lipoic acid and N-acetylcysteine come in. Together, they scavenge free radicals and help boost and recharge glutathione, the most potent antioxidant in the body. To top it off, mitochondrial complex also contains a little bit of green tea extract, broccoli seed extract with sulforaphane, and even resveratrol. Research has shown that when athletes and individuals that are under stress begin taking this product, they are less likely to get sick, as they're giving their body what it needs to conquer those stressors. Who doesn't need protection from stress and cellular damage at this time? I certainly do. I take this product every day. If you're interested in learning more about how mitochondrial complex can help support you living a longer, healthier life, check out my blog post on why antioxidants are important found at yourlongevityblueprint.com forward slash why dash antioxidants dash are dash important or in chapter four of my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. To get 10% off our mitochondrial complex, just use code energy when checking out at yourlongevityblueprint.com. Now let's get back to the show. Chapter two of my book is all about maintaining your framework, aka keeping your spine in line, right? So I'm comparing the framework of the home, how it needs to be strong and straight, right? (laughs) Sitting on a strong foundation to support the weight of the entire house. And so I'm comparing that again to keeping your spine in line. So here's where I'm talking about the musculoskeletal nervous systems. And I heavily advocate for chiropractic care here. This has been huge in my life, even since I was a child. As I mentioned, my parents always took us to the chiropractor. And I will say, I know that my palpitations and my tachycardia have always been better when I have routine adjustments. There's something about that that just keeps my, we'll say that um, my framework (laughs) in line where I have proper innervation through my body, where I feel less stressed when I'm getting chiropractic care. So I know this podcast is on tests. So I guess part of the tests that I'm recommending in chapter two to support your musculoskeletal nervous systems, I think comes from seeing a good trained chiropractor. So they're going to assess you and run kind of their own tests on you to assess where you need adjustments. And so I'm not going to get into much of that. If you want to listen to my episode with Dr. CJ Clean, which was one of my first few episodes, you can hear a lot more about how chiropractic care can benefit you. I've since interviewed lots of chiropractors on the show. So I think that's important. But I also want to mention some other tests your doctor may not know about when we think of the nervous system. And so one of those is looking at neurotransmitters. So when we think of even just having a healthy mental outlook, sleeping well, having not a lot of anxiety and depression, you want to have good neurotransmitters. So typically, if you go to your doctor and you're anxious, right, they may recommend therapy, I hope they do, and stress reduction strategies, lots of which you can find in my free ebook on creating resilience, link of which will be in the show notes. They also may recommend to you some medications. And believe me, there's a time and place for medications. And if you need them, take them, right? But my thought on that is that medication should be used short term, not long term. And I have patients who come to me who have been on antidepressants for decades and decades and decades. <laughs> They've never even tried to wean down. 
So what we can offer here, rather than guessing, right? That's what even psychiatry is. It's a bit of a medical experiment as far as the providers there kind of know what medications should help maybe more OCD or more anxiety or more depression, right? And they're really recommending based on their clinical experience. However, I'm going to mention a few other tests that can help again, kind of equip your team of providers in determining what supplements or medications may be best for you. So one of those is neurotransmitter testing. Now, the argument against this is that we, you know, you really can't measure neurotransmitters in the brain, which is true without doing a spinal tap, right? You, we really don't know exactly where your neurotransmitters are, but there is a test that is still helpful, which is urinary neurotransmitters. So neurotransmitters are produced in the brain some are produced by the adrenal glands, which sit on top of your kidneys, and some are produced in the gut, which is why, back to chapter one, right, looking at food sensitivities and gut infections and reducing inflammation therein is so important because if your neurotransmitters are made in your gut and your gut's not healthy, you're not making a lot of those. <laughs> so you want to be able to make dopamine and serotonin and all those feel-good neurotransmitters. So we have to improve gut health first, but we can run cortisol testing, which is looking at kind of the function of the outer cortex of the adrenal gland, and then urinary neurotransmitter testing to look at kind of what's being produced by the inner medulla of the adrenal gland um, in the urine. So here's where I can look at epinephrine, norepinephrine, dopamine levels, serotonin levels. I can really look at the, the, the difference between the calming neurotransmitters and the excitatory neurotransmitters. So for instance, someone with a lot of anxiety may have high epinephrine, norepinephrine, and dopamine. Someone with depression may have low levels of those. Uh, someone with anxiety may have really low levels of GABA and, and serotonin of calming neurotransmitters, so which need to be boosted. Uh, someone uh, with depression may also have low levels there. So I can then personalize therapy. So if my patients don't want to take medications, if they want to take a dopamine boosting supplement, or maybe they need an adrenaline lowering supplement, or if they want a serotonin or a GABA boosting supplement versus medication, we can certainly try those. These can be used in combinations with medications, but they should just be, I should say super, you should be supervised preferably by a functional medicine provider who really knows the action of the supplements if you're going to use them in combination with medications. Now, there's additional testing, which to be honest, I don't even remember if I mentioned <laughs> um, in 2017 when I wrote the book in chapter two of my book, is testing that I've been utilizing a lot more frequently the past few years with my patients, which is genetic testing. So I have had patients who have come to me after having, you know, hip replacements and they were put on pain medications and, you know, none of the pain medications worked. And I've had patients who have been treated with various depression medications over the years and their drugs keep getting rotated and they just say none of them work. Well, in those cases, these patients may have some genetic variants that we can look at on genetic testing to see how they're metabolizing these medications. If they don't have the right enzymes, they may not be converting these medications to the active forms. So this includes even pain medication. So this has been a game changer for some of my patients because what's been revealed to them is that they need a certain pain medication versus a, another one um, based on, again, these, these genetic SNPs. So even from an anxiety depression standpoint, when patients say, oh, med, this med didn't work for me, well, maybe it's not a good fit. <laughs> so rather than try 15 medications, let's do some genetic testing to help us personalize a, um, an approach. So that's called genome mind testing. And you know what, now that I'm thinking about it, I, I do think I mentioned it in my book. There's a handful of companies who do offer that sort of testing though. So that is also something that can help from a mental health standpoint, which I'm just kind of incorporating here in, in chapter two's content. 
On the topic of genetics, though, let's go to chapter three. So in chapter three of my book, I'm comparing the electrical work in the home to your genetics, because there are some genes that you want turned off, right? Your bad genes <laughs> turned off and more of your good genes turned on. You've probably heard the term that genetics loads the gun, but environment pulls the trigger. So even if you've inherited some poor SNPs, that doesn't mean you're going to get cancer. That doesn't mean you're going to get Alzheimer's, <laughs> whatnot. The good news is, if environment pulls the trigger, there are, there's a lot that we can do altering the environment to minimize the chance that those bad genes are going to manifest. So in chapter three, I talk a lot about looking at genetic SNPs. So here, what I'm referencing is a single uh, nucleotide polymorphism. So basically, maybe the easiest way to understand this is if you think of our DNA, which you've probably seen in pictures as like a twisted or a coiled ladder, like a ladder that's been twisted. If you think of the middle of that ladder as having swaps and that portion of the gene ladder, that's a change that's not irregular, not normal. That's called a single nucleotide polymorphism or a SNP. So some individuals have inherited the MTHFR genetic variant. I have some of those. A lot of my patients are aware of those. Um, you're not doomed if you inherit them. <laughs> there may just be some supplements that you need to take, like folate, maybe some B12. You may need to more likely be off gluten and dairy. You may not detox as well. So you may want to be more aware of your personal care products and, and making sure your air is clean and you don't have mold exposure and whatnot. Um, just knowing that you have SNPs can be very powerful, but I don't want patients to feel doomed knowing their SNPs. So there are a lot of SNPs that I mentioned in the book, and I'm not going to go through all of them now. But the key point I want to make here is that your doctor may not be aware of genetic SNP testing, right? There may be some SNPs for gluten sensitivity, not may, there are, <laughs> for celiac disease. There are SNPs for vitamin D receptor issues, meaning you take vitamin D and your level doesn't raise, right? You're not absorbing it appropriately. There are SNPs for histamine intolerance, which I talk a little bit about on this podcast. There are SNPs for inability to clear out pesticides. Those patients absolutely need to be eating organic. There are SNPs for glutathione production. If you don't make a lot of glutathione, you may not detox well. You may need to take glutathione precursors like N-acetylcysteine or glutathione. So I'm going to leave this topic at that, but I again just want to mention it's really important to look at what SNPs you have with the functional medicine provider so they can personalize your care plan. Um, one more SNP that's coming to my mind is the APOE4 genotype. Those patients are at greater risk for heart disease and for Alzheimer's, but if we know you have the gene, then you may just need to be on a lower saturated diet. There are some things that we can do to prevent that risk. Most conventional doctors have zero training on these SNPs, like literally zero training. They have minimal training on nutrition, but zero training on looking at these sort of SNPs. So that's something that you certainly could see a functional medicine provider for who can run this sort of testing. Stay tuned for next week's conclusion on this episode, where I work through the remaining functional medicine tests found in the last few chapters of my book, Your Longevity Blueprint, that your doctors may not know about. See you then. Be sure to check out my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. And if you aren't much of a reader, you're in luck. You can now take my course online where I walk you through each chapter in the book. Plus, for a limited time, the course is 50% off. Check this offer out at yourlongevityblueprint.com and click the course tab. One of the biggest things you can do to support the show and help us reach more listeners is to subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I do read all the reviews and would truly love to hear your suggestions for show topics, guests, and for how you're applying what you've learned on the show to create your own longevity blueprint. 
The podcast is produced by the team at Counterweight Creative. As always, thank you so much for listening. And remember, wellness is waiting. The information provided in this podcast is educational. No information provided should be considered to be or used as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always consult with your personal medical authority.